Hampshire. I'm Amy Goodman with Juan Gonzalez. You're listening to X-Ray FM, KXRY Portland at 91.1 FM, K296FT West Haven serving Portland at 107.1 FM, and K219KU Nehalem serving Nehalem, Manzanita, and Rockaway Beach at 91.7 FM, streaming live and archived at xray.fm. Radio is yours. And now, it's time for Blazer's Edge. Blake to inbound. The Blazers have a 20-second timeout. Nate McMillan deciding whether to use it. Blake now throws to Roy. Brandon, a three-pointer out front. Hit it! Yes, he did! Oh, yeah! Batum throws to Lillard. A three for the game. Hey, hey, welcome into another edition of Blazers Edge Radio right here on X-Ray FM. I'm your host, Ryan Buchanan, and uh, we are back. We are back after a longer-than-expected hiatus. He ended up taking about a month off. We are supposed to take two weeks off, but with work commitments and the, the great ice storm of 2024, we uh, ended up with a little bit longer hiatus than expected. Um and Sam Arnold's still out, but I am uh, pleased to be joined uh, by my good friend, uh, Mr. Dylan Sage, filling in. Uh, he is a co-host on the Holy Backboard podcast, and he's kind enough to join me here today. Uh, Sage, how you doing? I feel like I'm the guy that you hit up when you don't have any any ho- co-hosts 24 hours before the actual uh, broadcast. Well, this is what happens when I'm here. I'm here. (laughs) You are here. You're like QB one a because, uh, you know, Sam hits me up like, Oh, by the way, I'm out of town. And so I got to, I got to scramble. And I know, I know you're right there. You're, you're who's the, who would be the best backup, uh, quarterback. You're like a, um, you're like a McCown brother. Like what you're right. You're right there. I know I I can (laughs) count on you to, to step up and, uh, and not screw things up. So I uh, appreciate you as I always think of stepping up. Shohei, just the designated hitter, ready to okay. drop bombs. Okay, okay, you're going a little bit dead center, you know. <laughs> uh, we can go with that. We can go with that. Uh, we also got Stephen Glickman working hard behind the scenes, um, running the boards, doing a fine job um, as always. Uh, and, and Sage, I was going to start by talking about the Blazers. Obviously, is this a Blazers themed show? But uh, there's some some breaking news that came out that we've got to get to here. Um, and it's that, um, Adrian Griffin has been let go as head coach of the Bucks about halfway through his first season with the team sitting right now. And I believe third place in the mm-hmm. uh, second place, rather they're in second, second yeah. place in the Eastern conference, three and a half back of the, uh, leading Boston Celtics. And I would say I'm shocked but I'm not really shocked because there's clearly been some issues with the Bucks this year. They haven't 
quite lived up to their potential, even though they're in second place. We know there was the preseason incident with uh, with uh, Terry Stotts when he ended up abruptly mm-hmm. leaving the team right before the season due to an incident with Adrian Griffin. I want to I want to know your initial thoughts to this news. It's obviously not, as I said, not a complete shock, but still quite surprising given the timing. So I know a lot of Laser fans are also Bucks fans on Twitter, and they complained about Adrian Griffin and his schemes and his rotations. So I guess like the fandom people did not like AG. So I I mean I I don't I don't watch the Bucks nearly enough because they're too good for me to think about them in a, in a, like a daily fantasy, you know, type of thing. They're too good. They're too overpriced. Um, but if you know fans don't like his rotations and they think his scheme is subpar, I mean, I wish I wish a certain team in the Northwest could pull the plug on a bad coach. <laughs> is really what I'm, I'm I was thinking. Like, why couldn't that have been us with Chauncey? Yeah, well, Chauncey's got another guaranteed year on that contract after this year. Um, I think that's your biggest reason right there. Uh, but yeah, I'm right there with you. And I mean, it, it just is surprising though. Like I get you, but the other thing is he's a first year head coach. So I, and I know they came in mm-hmm. with obviously championship or bust expectations, but this is his first year, not just with the team, but his first year as a head coach. I, I guess, you know, I would expect when you're a team like that, even though you've got those lofty expectations, Maybe we'd be a little more patient here. I mean, it's not like the season's been a dumpster fire for them. Again, they're in second Don't they place have like a in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, they are. Uh, let me pull it up here. They are. They're thirty and thirteen. So I mean, they are record-wise. They are tied for the second best record in the entire NBA uh, with the Minnesota Timberwolves, who shockingly still lead the Western Conference as we speak. But yeah, they're right there, right behind the Bucks. I know the Sixers are, are right on their tails, but those are supposed to be the three teams all year long, and they're right there in that mix. So the, the timing is is quite surprising for me. Um, I, and I've got to believe there was something else going on behind the scenes. That's what this leads me to believe. We know there was the issue with Terry Stotts earlier in the year. I, I, I just think there was something there because when you watch this team, they're they have really good nights, and then they have nights where it seems like they just don't show up at all. I think there's something going on behind the scenes where he just doesn't have this team locked in, and they wanted to wait until it was too late to make a move. Well, I, I'm seeing on Twitter now that people are saying that he has issues with the Nassus, um and his role on the team. Maybe Giannis did this, mm. you know, to protect his his brother, or I don't know. I mean. It, there's a pretty good chance we'll never know the real reason, but you know, having a one of the highest win percentages, you know, it it it's tough. But uh, yeah, it's, I, it, I, it looks weird. Mm-hmm. I think he's gonna get another chance, and hopefully, it's with like a rebuilding team, not super. I mean, not Super Bowl, but NBA playoff championship right. aspiration. Well, it was a weird hire to begin with, considering that this is a team that like I said, championship or bust, and then they go with mm-hmm. a rookie head coach. So it was a little weird to begin with that that was the dynamic they're setting up. Seemed like they were it was he was almost kind of set up for failure, if you will, because he yeah, never totally. he never got it he never was gonna get a chance to really kind of get his wings uh coaching. Mm-hmm. It was it was right now we expect you to come in and be pop. 
basically. And that's just yep, an unrealistic exactly. expectation. By the way, Joe Prunty, a veteran assistant coach and former Blazer assistant coach, will be the interim guy. I had to imagine that uh, Giannis and probably Dame had some input on that as, as who was going to take over. So we'll Excellent. see if they actually fill this position um, this year or if Prunty finishes out the year. But it's going to be interesting to monitor that situation in Milwaukee. Uh, there was another uh, big story that came out this morning, a trade about two weeks ahead of the trade deadline, which is rapidly approaching. Miami Heat making a move. They're getting a the guard. Uh, Terry Rozier is coming to South Beach in exchange for Kyle Lowry and a 2027 first-round pick going back to Charlotte. Uh, big move for the Heat is they're, you know, they're right there there as well. They're sitting right now at sixth in the Eastern Conference, kind of lumped in then that group with the likes of the Knicks and the Cavs and the and the Pacers fighting for to, to try to get on that more of that top line right now they're on the the bottom four in terms of the playoff seating looking to get back in that you know that top four I know the Cavs have been red hot uh surprisingly mm-hmm. as they've been without Mobley and and Garland and they've taken off since then after the big three they're kind of the four right now but it, it's really up for grabs you would think after those first three spots with the Celtics Bucks and then the Sixers uh so the Heat looking to make a move you know they've obviously been a playoff team the last few years, but they seem to be making a real concerted effort here in the regular season more than we've seen in years past. So what's your what's your reaction to uh, this move coming out of Miami, bringing in a a really good guard and, and Terry Rozier, try and help out this team, uh, kind of take that next step? I think it's a good trade. You know, Jimmy Butler, I think in the last forty five game forty five days has been like resting 10 days, play one, rest 10 days, play another. So having a guy that can be a secondary playmaker for the Heat when Jimmy actually plays and then taking on more responsibility as Jimmy's out with more and more injuries and plus rest, I think it's a really good move. Tyler Hero, and he can man the ship to, until Jimmy's like 100% healthy. So I, I think it's a really good trade. I mean, Kyle Lowry really wasn't doing anything for them in terms of like on the court. I'm sure off the court he was a great vet, but they've Terry got Rozier plenty of vets. They've got really plenty well. of vets, you know. Yeah, they need they need talent right now. I think Terry Rozier is a really good fit for the Heat system too. Yeah, like grinded out, hardworking, smart can put up points which well, i think they need that's that's what they need yeah they, they need another guy that can go out and get you buckets that's kind of one thing mm-hmm. that they're that they're lacking is they don't have those guys you know you've got your hero you mentioned jimmy butler's in and out you really need another guy that can go out and get you buckets and that's what terry rozier does mm-hmm. well not being a, a, a total defensive liability as well exactly yeah, so which you know that the that's important. The Heat, they're not just going to bring in a guy to you know they're not going to bring in a Cam Thomas <laughs> or Trey Young uh, or a Trey Young. <laughs> yeah, that's another situation that we might get to. I don't know. We're we're, we're going to run out of time here uh, eventually to talk about all these storylines that have taken place. But yeah, the Hawks <laughs> in absolute freefall mode. Uh, okay, now let's talk Blazers. Let's get into Blazers. Ten minutes into our show here, I just had to get the you know all this stuff happening oh, right joy. before. Talk about but Blazers. yeah, we got to talk about the Blazers. We got to start off by uh, that di- road trip from hell. Sage is uh, really. I mean, you thought they had already kind of bottomed out, but that was truly about as low as it gets. You know, you 
you certainly look at that 60-point loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder. You thought that would maybe what would be to finally tip the scales to getting Chauncey Billups fired. Turns out it wasn't, so I'm not sure what would be <laughs> if a 60-point if a blowout loss in a 1-6 and six road trip where you're losing by probably an average of 30 points uh, doesn't mm-hmm. get it done. I don't think it's going to happen at this point. Uh, but you go from that just disastrous road trip and you actually come back and you have a pretty decent homestand. Uh, a nice kind of resilience from the Blazers here. And, and uh, when they came back home, and obviously that uh, fell flat the second they go back out on the road in L.A. and they lay another egg a couple nights ago against the the struggling, the inconsistent Lakers who looked like world beaters uh, against Portland on Sunday night. D'Angelo Russell dropping, what, 38 points in that game, something like that, just a, a absurd number there from him. And... But the homestand overall was actually pretty decent. You know, you played Brooklyn again, which I don't know how, looking at their personnel, I don't know how Brooklyn is as bad as they are. Does that make sense? I think they're perfect for the Blazers beating them, though. They don't they don't actually attack the basket. They take mid-range jumpers. We can defend that, I mean, okay-wise. But when, yeah. you know, we win against OKC, they've got two feet in the paint and score really easily jump shooting teams. You know, we can sort of mitigate what they're doing. They have no like ISO guy to break one of our defenders off and score in the basket. And then Indiana is the worst defensive team in the league. So we got wins against teams that kind of were built to stop. And then when we win against OKC and really good defensive teams, we get slaughtered. Okay. (laughs) But you know, I I could buy into that. Yeah. I mean, the Pacers win was impressive though. Let's, let's be honest, because that was the first game with Pascal Siakam being acquired. Tyrese Halliburton coming back. Yes, they're the yes they're the worst defensive team in the league, but I think they're still the top offensive team in the yeah, NBA. And they're and the fastest paced team. So there's more possessions for you know Portland to make up on their mistakes. I mean, it was a good win. And and never but... mind that Anthony Simons was out this game as well. Yeah, but you know Jeremy Grant saw that open paint and was excited about the potential of all the all the extra usage that he could have gotten. <laughs> oh yeah, and he took advantage. I mean, he had a he had a great two-game stretch there between the the Nets game and the Pacers game. He and, and Brogdon really stepped up. And I guess that was the frustrating thing for for us as fans is you get this great win over the Pacers, but it's like the guys doing the damage are the guys that are not going to be here long term. So it's a bit of fool's yeah, gold the there where, you know, Shaden's mm-hmm. been out with an injury. He didn't even play. Scoot only played 10 minutes before he left with a, with a nasal contusion. Jones. I yeah. believe they, uh, they deemed it. And then Ant didn't mm-hmm. even play at all. He was out sick in this game. So it was like, you get a, this really nice win that you should feel good about, but it wasn't your kind of core guys going forward that were, were getting it done. So a bit of fool's gold there. But nonetheless, I mean, nice to see them step back a little bit, although selfishly I would have kind of liked to see them just keep losing by 30 points to see if maybe it could get Chauncey Billups out. Uh, I'm, I'm worried that maybe those those two games of, of stepping up maybe gave him another couple months, but we'll see. What's your take on that? I just, like, I know DA's been bad. I know a lot of players have been bad, but – They've been put in such bad positions by Billups and the staff, putting them in positions that they probably can't succeed in. You look at Tumani, he was the longest time 
a starter when he probably should have been the seventh or eighth guy. We just put players outside of Jeremy Grant and Anthony Simons in bad positions. And it's finally, you know, we're, we're reaching negative, you know, what, what, what possibly could happen. So, right. I mean, I think it's all bound to happen when you have Billups and Scotty Brooks trying to design this unimaginative offense. Yeah. I, I think that's the other point that, that really gets undersold is that as bad as Chauncey has been, because he, you know, the first, obviously it's been well-documented first year head coach, really anywhere. He had that one year as an assistant, Mm -hmm. but his guy that he's leaning on is not a guy who's well-regarded in NBA coaching circles, or at least in, in terms of, you know, the NBA, right? I don't know. They might like him personally, but (laughs) Scotty Brooks was not a good coach. He had an incredible amount of talent early on and, in OKC, but he is not regarded as a good coach by any stretch of the imagination. That's your guy that Chauncey's leaning on. So it's just I mean, really a disastrous situation all around. And I don't even know if Roy Rogers is a good defensive guy because we never get a chance to have a good team defensive team around him. But it's, you know, Scotty Brooks was gifted Kevin Durant, yeah. Russ Westbrook, and James Harden. And their, their main thing was, these three guys save us. And then he went to the Wizards and had Bradley Beal and John Wall. Those two save us. So we really, I mean, now you're seeing what happens when you're not having all world talents around them and the offense is god awful. Yeah. We are the worst offense in the in, in the league. Maybe Memphis without Jaws worse, but you know what? We're right there as, at horrible. Yeah. And you think about it a team that's got Anthony Simons, Jeremy Grant. And company, you know, how are you the worst offense in the league with that kind of talent? Schematics, man. Schematics matter. Like, where where are the players going to be on the court? That stuff matters. Yeah, and clearly there's there's none of that going on. I, I will say there's been one lineup tweak that I, I, I've i got to give Chauncey credit for. Uh, Jabari Walker moving in the starting lineup has been big uh, because, he, you know, he's, I think, unquestionably the best rebounder on this team. Pairing him with the Jeremy Grant, I think, is a really – has really helped this team out, whereas he's able to gobble up those rebounds. Jeremy's able to focus on scoring, um, and Jabari has really thrived in that starting lineup. You know, Kamara was there for a while, and now they move Jabari in there instead, slide Kamara to coming off the bench. You know, Jabari's a guy who's more NBA-ready right now. Kamara can certainly play, but he's still developing, whereas Jabari is pretty much developed at this point. So I, I will say that I, I have enjoyed that move, is it it definitely helps out your starting lineup, moving Grant more into his natural position as a three, having Jabari as a legitimate four out there. What's been your, your thoughts on that? I think it's a nice reward for Jabari. I mean, the team has messed with his minutes a lot this year, like yeah. 12 minutes one game, 24 the next, 15 the next like now to have a defined role for Jabari is great you know there, there's things that we could talk about like talking about his game and stuff but the effort he plays with is really impressive the way he's just willing to use his body to force the opponent to react to that it's been it's been really good especially for Jeremy Grant so I, I'm, I'm cool with it I mean when we're competing for playoffs and championships you know Barry is going to be the ninth man, so it's nice to give him starter minutes now when development is the key, except we play our vet- veterans like 33 minutes a game. You say competing for championships like it's something on the immediate horizon there. Well, once we... <laughs> 
I'm looking like a decade out at this point, man. Once we fire Chauncey, okay, you got you got to get through you got to get through next year, and then you've got to not box your your coaching hire again. I don't have faith that that's going to happen. What's yeah, that? When games matter. When games matter. Okay, I think we're still I'm sorry, ways off I'm for that. I'm the optimist about the Portland Trailblazers <laughs> as I've been watching college basketball every uh, every say, day I'm watching college basketball. If you've come to this show basketball. for optimism about the team, you have sadly come to the wrong place. You're not going to get that here. Uh, there's just no optimism there. Wake me up in a couple years. Maybe there will be. Let's talk, uh, let's talk about something that could potentially be optimistic, although it's been very up and down this year. I know it's getting a lot of chatter online, um, Sage. It's the development of Scoot Henderson, because I'm now hearing that I'm seeing that he's a complete bust and he can't play in the NBA, and I think that's a real disservice to him. Yes, he's had some bad games. Yes, he has been wildly inconsistent, but he's had some really strong performances too. I I think – fans really need to pump the brakes on the bus talk for for scoot henderson because he hasn't been that bad right no he hasn't yes thank you i mean who who's his head coach who's developed who's scheming out things for him to do exactly chauncey billups and scotty brooks so it's uh, it's the worst possible offensive scheme for his his head coach is realistically probably malcolm brogdon Honestly, yeah. So <laughs> if we're being honest here. And then they're putting him in like there is no defined role on this team. So it's no. like, you know, sometimes he's going to play 8 minutes, sometimes he's going to yeah. play 30. That's not You got to let him for, you got to uh, give him some run. You got to let him work through the wrinkles and you got to let him play through it. He's got the confidence clearly. That's what I think is really really helping him out right now is he's not a guy who's going to shy away if he has a couple bad games. He's going to stay aggressive. He's got that confidence. He knows he belongs in this league. He's just got to keep getting his feet wet, keep getting opportunities. And yeah, he, he's got to have a better system in place to kind of help guide him along. Let's not forget, he's still, what, 19 years old? He can't even drink legally. <laughs> he can't. He, he won't be able to drink legally next year. Yeah. Bro, you and I... What were we doing at 20 years old, bro? We were not professional broadcasters. No, we were on so, a KPSU. Yeah, so it's not like there's... I, I think the whole, like, we need to see him, you know, hit his ceiling. It, 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 it's it's rushed. He's, he's still a very young player. This team is bad. He's not getting proper run. But when I see him, I see... Like, well, you he's can, doing the process right. And you can clearly see that he's got the makeup of a of a really, really good NBA player. You can see it. It oh, jumps yeah. off the screen. Yeah, like, he he's going... When his best skill is driving the ball to the basket and making a decision. But when the basket has three people, because we played three non-shooters, what's yeah. he going to do that it cuts out... It cuts down on the options available for Scoot Henderson. Yeah. Like, once, once we have capable NBA shooters... Scoot Henderson's going to thrive. It's just we're in, in the worst possible scheme for him to succeed. Yep. No, I agree 100%. I think people need to weigh off Scoot. Uh, if, if that's your big takeaway from why the Blazers are a dumpster fire right now is Scoot Henderson, you're looking the wrong direction because there's a lot of other things you can point to, starting with the front office and going on down. 
not even getting to the guys on the court is the reason that the team is in the situation that they're in right now. So Scoot Henderson is not the problem. Let me just emphatically say that. All right, one more thing on Blazers before we move on to the league at large. We're gonna we're gonna hand out our midseason awards. I hope you're prepared for that. Um, yeah, because you definitely prepared. told me we were doing this. I told you that it was in the text. No, you didn't. You lied. It, I I think it was in the text. We'll see. Well, I'll put you no. on the spot with your midseason words. I've got mine either way. You can maybe piggyback or, or or scramble during the break to try and figure it out. But then we're going to talk about draft prospects, which I know you're oh. you're plenty prepared about. So we'll I'll throw you a bone there. And I actually did a little draft uh, homework last night in preparation as well, looking at uh, Alexander Ooh, nice. Saar, listened to a little bit of your podcast as well, the Holy Backboard. You brought back the few. You know the season's gone to hell when uh, when Future Fridays comes back, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we were planning on doing it, you know, game one against Orlando. I was like, well, time to look at Saar. And this, this, this year is going to be a little different. I'm going to do some solo uh, podcasts. Talking okay. about players that there's zero chance that the Holy Backboard talks about. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do a podcast on Clemson forward PJ Hall this week. Oh, so, like, okay. I really like PJ. I really? really okay. I didn't, I didn't see that development coming, but there we go. Okay. <laughs> so people can look out for that. Where can they find that? If I'm, it... we're, I'm going to, it's going to be on the Holy Backboard okay. podcast and then my personal YouTube page. Okay. Perfect. And what is yeah. your YouTube channel? Uh, at Desage, uh, Desage Hoops, I believe. Desage Hoops. All right, so people can look out for that. Can you give us a? Do we have a feature Friday coming out this week? Nikola Topic, the okay. uh, Serbian point guard. Yeah, a I, lot of international I prospects. Talking, I said on this pot or radio show, he reminds me of Bob Cousy. I remember that. I don't remember him. I remember you making a comp to Bob Cousy and laughing. That's the only thing I remember yeah. from that conversation. But that checks out. Okay, so this is the Bob Cousy you were talking about. This is the Bob Cousy. All right, guy. so people can uh, check that out on, on Friday uh, on the Holy yep. Backboard podcast. But real quick, before yep. we, we get to all that stuff, I want to talk trade deadline because it's rapidly approaching. We're about two weeks out. It seems an almost foregone conclusion that Malcolm Brogdon's going to go somewhere, right? There's such a logjam for minutes at point guard right now. It's costing Scoot Henderson minutes. Yes, he's a great mentor for Scoot, but you don't want him taking Scoot's minutes at this point. So he's going to be gone. I I would love if they could move on from Jeremy Grant, but in the first year of that contract, with that kind of money, I don't think there's much of a chance that somebody's biting on that. What do you think about, what about that? Matisse? Matisse? I could see someone I could see someone taking Matisse. I like Matisse though. I mean, he's still relatively young. I think that he's got a role on this team. I I wouldn't necessarily want to part with him uh if you need something to sweeten the deal, then so be it. Um Robert Williams though now, his name is all of a sudden sur- swirling in these trade mm-hmm. talks. Um and I, I, why would you want to trade for a I, center that's injury yeah, I, prone and I, injured currently? I don't, I don't get it. I mean, yeah, it's the Blazers traded for him when he was injury prone, and then he got injured again. So I, I, his value's at an all-time low. I don't really know where that's coming from because I can't see a team jumping out and saying we got to get Robert Williams on the off chance that he's able to stay healthy. I mean, who would even be or in the for market next year? Yeah, I mean, but yeah, but who's who's looking at next year in the trade deadline? I have no. 
the Grizzlies, maybe. I have no I idea. Guess. Yeah, as a as a center replacement going forward, but you really want to yeah, you I really want to you know tie your anchor to Robert Williams as your franchise center. I think if injuries, like if we turned off injuries on the the simulator, <laughs> I think he's a good center. Oh yeah, that's, yeah. That's a huge risk. But that's the right now. That's the the biggest thing he's got going for him right now is injuries. He can't stay on the court. Mm-hmm. That's been throughout his career. Mm-hmm. So you can't. I mean, if you want to pencil him in as a as a backup like the Blazers did, sure. But he's not a guy that that any team can responsibly count on as their starting center going forward. So I don't. Absolutely. I can't imagine that he's going to have much value. But his name's getting floated out there. But what about Jeremy Grant? Do you think there's any chance that a team would would make a play at Jeremy? Maybe after these big couple games he's had here showing he's still a a a big time scorer in this league the contract is obviously going to be the big deterrent there uh but you think there's any chance he moves on uh, in a couple weeks here maybe the i feel like the kings are the only potential trade avenue for jeremy grant like let's say they want to move away and like really focus on winning for the now maybe jeremy grant maybe i i feel like it it's malcolm matisse are the most tradable assets. Jeremy's not, and Robert Williams is injured, so I don't know who would potentially want him. But maybe if like they, a, a potential team wants to take that next step, like the Pacers would have been a perfect team for for uh, Jeremy Grant, but they got Pascal Siakam instead. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it's a team that wants to take a step up and power forward, and Jeremy Grant is the missing piece. But I don't see that many options for him, honestly. Yeah, I don't either, especially when he's on the first year of, I think, a five-year, however mm-hmm. many million-dollar contract. So I don't see him going anywhere. Yeah, Matisse is interesting. Again, I'd like to keep Matisse. I think that, uh, especially off the bench, he is a, you know, again, you're talking about when can the Blazers compete. But if, you, you know, if you're a team that can, you know, start the game, start to matter, maybe later next year or the year after i mean matisse is still only 26 i think that he's he could be a really good piece going forward i'd hate to just give up on him when he's having what really if there a career was a, year what if they offered a first round pick in in this year in this year i mean you've already got two in this year's draft more than likely i i, I don't know i mean this and this we'll talk about this draft isn't great anyway you've got what two you're gonna have two almost certainly two first round picks and then two early second round picks. So, are you talking in this year's draft or this year's trade deadline? Well, I'm just thinking that, like, I'll keep Matisse. I don't really mind. But if there was some, like, I'm not, he's not untouchable for me. If someone right. offers us a fair deal, I'm, yeah. bye. I, I, you know, right. But he's finally turned spot. into that three and D guy. So you'd like to. There's a reason he's shooting really wide open shots he's making them he's making them though that's part of the battle if negative regression happens he's missing them so we're we're on that steep line of yeah percentage he's a 40 percent shooter oh on two attempts per game okay cool and then yeah it's that myers leonard thing when people were talking about great of a shooter he is and shooting one and a half shots a game fair fair but you know he's always got the defense at least to, to fall back on. Yeah, so got uh, he's that. a great off. That's why I think like a playoff team could use him. If someone is willing to overpay, then definitely I'd go for. Now, real quick, what would what do you think the market is for Malcolm Brogdon? What can he net in return for the Blazers? Because this was one of your big pieces 
in a roundabout way from the Damian Lillard deal. So you're not going to just give him up for nothing here. You got to get something from him. I think that it's going to be a first round pick in some year and then probably a young guy to go with him. Like someone that, you know, it might be a project, but we'll probably have to, you know, we're going to get like however much of a contract his, uh, he, he gets, we're going to get that money returning. But I think the, you know, the future draft capital is going to be the most important thing. And then where, where do you think it would be a good fit for him? Is there anywhere that would make sense in your eyes for him to go? Well, I was thinking the heat until today. Yeah, that's out. But, but yeah, I, I think it's a playoff team that needs a, a really, really, really good catch and shoot shooter. So I, I, maybe the Nuggets or maybe like a team like that could use him. I, it, it's it's going to be a playoff team that's calling for him. Right. Yeah, that seems like a. I mean, yeah, that's the only team that's going to want him at this point. A rebuilding team, much like the Blazers, doesn't have a whole lot of use for Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, but he is still playing well, so that benefits the Blazers as he's going to certainly, you would think, command um, some value there. All right, we are going to take take a quick break, and then we are going to switch gears. We're going to hand out our NBA awards. At least I am going to hand out my awards. Apparently, I forgot to. Uh, Q Sage in on that part of the conversation. Then we're gonna we're gonna talk about what he really wants to talk about, and that <laughs> is the NBA draft. So stick with us. We'll be right back after this on Blazers Edge Radio on X Ray FM. Support for X Ray comes from Beeline Urban Delivery. Beeline supports businesses with access to zero emission delivery, warehousing, and advertising services. More at b-linepdx.com. Support for X-Ray FM comes from New Deal Distillery, located in Southeast Portland for over 15 years. New Deal Distillery makes craft vodka, gin, bourbon, rye, rum, liqueurs, and more. New Deal spirits are available in their tasting room as well as cocktail lounges and liquor stores near and far. For more information, visit NewDealDistillery.com or their tasting room at 900 Southeast Salmon Street. Support for X-Ray FM comes from Spielman Bagels and Coffee. Opened by Rick Spielman and his son, Raph, Spielman has been serving handmade boiled and baked bagels and coffee since 2011. Their flagship store can be found on Southeast 21st and Division, or find one of their other shops on Northwest 23rd and Lovejoy, Northeast 22nd and Broadway, or in Multnomah Village. Yeah, it is. Back at it here on Blazers Edge Radio. Ryan Buchanan, Ryan Buchanan, Dylan Sage, and, and it is normally it would be time for three questions brought to you by New Deal Distillery, but today we are going to hand out our NBA uh, mid-season awards. And Sage, I don't know if you had time to prepare over that brief break there, but I'm going to give you my my picks for the awards and then we'll see if you concur or if you are thinking another direction so we're going to start off with mvp actually no 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 we're going to start off reverse order we're going to start with the uh defensive player of the year this award i don't really care about and i am going to go with uh rudy gobert i don't feel great about it but you know the 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 wolves have been a solid defensive team up until last night you know and they're still a a, the top team in the western conference so i got to give it to rudy for a resurgent minnesota timberwolves team your thoughts on dpoi i'm totally cool with that one it that that, that's a that's a fine pick i mean bigs are 
DPOIs go to big, and Rudy Gobert is on the best defense. So totally cool. Sam hated Sam that. Hated Sam hated that pick when I came out with it in our quarter season. So uh, glad to hear that you concur with that. Sixth man of the year seems like a foregone conclusion. Uh, Malik Monk of Sacramento. I don't see who else it would go to at this point. I'm cool with that. Cool yeah, I'm fine with that. Oh, wow. No, uh, no rebuttals here. All right. Most improved, I got Tyrese Halbert. It's, it's one of the two Tyrese's. It's one of them. Like Max or Halberton. Yeah. I'm going Halberton. He's just been better than uh, than Tyrese and, and, and Tyrese Maxey, that is. And he doesn't have a dual and beat. He's kind of the guy on that team. And that they've been a really big story this year. And he's been the biggest part around it. And it's led them to go out and trade for a, a Pascal Siakam. So I, 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 I think he's right now, in my mind, got it locked up for most improved. Coach of, Coach of the year. I'm going Chris Finch with Minnesota. So, sorry, the echo was real bad on that. Who was your coach of the year? Uh, Chris, uh, Chris Finch, Finch from Minnesota. From Minnesota. Okay. I'm fine with that. Uh, I'm, not I'm, I'm, looking I'm looking at him, at Mark, Degnall, Mark Degnall, or, or Rick Carlisle Rick at this point. Yeah, I'm fine with the, you know, it's the good teams that deserve all these awards, not our uh, bad ones. That's right. That's right. Uh, uh, although one although bad one team bad will get an award, award and that's going to be the rookie of the year. Of the year. And, and I went with I went Chet Holgram at the, the quarter, quarter season poll. I got to go with Wemby now, now, though. I went, got, a got a chance to go watch, to watch the, the game where he was in Portland, and he is just outstanding. And I, I, as good as Chet has been on a really nice Oklahoma City Thunder team, you know, second in the West right now, it's got to go to Wemby. What do you think? It's between those two. I think because of Wemby being a, uh, he's not getting the minutes that Chet Holmgren's getting. So it's kind of like, yeah, Wemby's obviously better, but he's getting like 26, 24, 26 minutes a game. So it, 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 Chet can get it just based on the minutes per game and the production you get from those minutes that he's playing when Wemby Yanima is not. Yeah. So. I, I'm going Wemby. I went Chet early on, but I'm going Wemby now. And, and then the big award, MVP. And this race is heating up. I know there's a dark horse candidate emerging in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I know there's the question of whether Joel Embiid will get to 65 games or not, but he dropped 70 last night. He's the reigning MVP right now. As it stands, he's my MVP. And that is a and lot of time for that to change. That it's a change. crowded race with him and the Joker and, you know, Shea, as I mentioned, Giannis. But I got to go Joel Embiid at this point, halfway through, to kind of keeping that, along with Tyreek Maxey, keeping the Sixers in that Eastern race with the likes of the Big Dogs and the Celtics and the Bucks. I would, it would it's either Joel or uh, 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 Joker. It's one of the two big men. Yeah. And since you have one, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't buy Shea as a uh, legitimate MVP contender. Maybe in the future, sure, but right now, I think it has to be one of those two dynamic, transcendent big men. Yeah. Well, I'm going Joker right now. Um, I've actually got Shea too, though. I've got Joker okay. as one. I've got Shea number two. And or did I say Joker is one? You sure did. I, I meant Embiid. I meant Embiid. Embiid one, Shea two, Joker three. I just don't like Joker. It's more of a personal thing. Because of the Denver Nuggets? Yeah, and he's already won two. It's, yeah. 
apologize for those uh, technical difficulties we experienced there. They are good now. I, I am not coming to you live from the bottom of the well. I am uh, here uh, in the X-Ray studio with my good friend and co-host, uh, Mr. Dylan Sage. And those were oh, our... You called me your co-host. Uh, yeah, well, you are the co-host today. That's right. I interrupt you far too much to be uh, a regular co-host. <laughs> but you're an excellent fill-in co-host, and that's what we appreciate about you, you. So really, the only uh, bugaboo from you was MVP. Right, so uh, I forgot yeah, who did, I, who did you say? Right, did you commit to one of the big guys, or did you just say one of the big guys? I said one of the big guys. Uh, if it, you if I need to take one, I'd probably go JoJo. But okay, both of them are amazing. And so. then and then rookie, did you commit to Chet or Wemby, or did we did you waffle on that uh, one? Too? The echo is pretty bad, but I, I, it's one of those two. I said Chet because of the minutes played. Okay, versus. All right, so that's uh, the only getting... one we disagree on is the uh, is the uh, rookie of the year, and it's, and it's because Wemby's hard stuck on minutes, and yeah. Chet isn't. But he's clearly the better player. Yes, but he if he's not there to perform, we know this, but the, the statistics say Chet's better because he's playing like eight extra minutes a game. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. I would be shocked if at the end of the year, uh, Victor Wembanyama is not your uh, rookie of the year. There's just too much hype there. He's too good. You know, you you hope they, they get the training wheels off him a little bit here down the stretch and, and let him really let him play. Um, you know, he hasn't gotten hurt at all, knock on wood. So that's been really great to see that he's been able to stay healthy. Now I just want to see them, mm -hmm. you know, let him run, let him cook down the stretch here. Obviously, you're going nowhere if you're San Antonio. So I want to see uh, really what he can do and, and put his stamp on that rookie of the year. He hasn't yet put, you know, he's got to do something that will that will put him clearly ahead of Chet, I think. And I, I do believe that's coming uh, down the stretch. All right, so those were our... NBA Mid-Season Awards brought to you by New Deal Distillery. And, Sage, now we're going to get to what you really want to talk to, and that is the uh, NBA Draft. Is uh, It's that time, folks. We're halfway through the year, and the Blazers are squarely looking ahead to June and the 2024 NBA Draft, where, as of right now, it looks like they're going to have two lottery picks. Is they own their own pick which is clearly mm -hmm. going to be a lottery pick. And then they own the Warriors pick, protected top four. Um, mm -hmm. So at this point, it looks like they're going to get both. So now, unfortunately, this is not a terribly deep draft. This is the worst draft in like 20 years. You think it's that bad? It's. I think Cody Williams is a top five guy. I also think he's Terrence Mann. Really? Okay. Because you remember me talking <laughs> about Cody that, Williams. That's my comp right now. You remember me talking about Cody Williams yeah, last time I do. we talked, right? And then right? I watched him, and I'm like, oh, this is a top five guy. But you really think Terrence Mann is who he tops out as? Yeah. Really? I think he's better than that, but we'll see. Tankathon right no, now not, has got him at I eight. think that's his most likely outcome. Most likely like outcome. A role player. Okay. I think he, I, I think he can be a legitimate starter, second or third best player on his team. Jaden McDaniels or uh, yeah, a little better, a uh, better than oh, okay. the second or third best player on a good team. More like a, uh, Chris middle, not comp in his game, no. but more like a, think of like a Chris Middleton 
Okay. Like on a, on a good team, he is not the star, but he is Robin or Robin's assistant. How about that? Okay. Okay. Well, I think he's, I think he's a really good prospect, but you know, yeah. the whole can he shoot, can't he shoot thing is scary. Yeah. Um. And, and you, yeah. But you've also got to look at his brother. And, you know, his brother's oh, Jalen yeah, yeah, Williams yeah. on the Thunder. So he's got that going for him, which is nice. So I think Cody Williams is one of the most fundamental guard prospects or wing prospects I've seen. Yeah. Like, he's so fundamentally sound. And he can do it all. Uh, freshman yeah. at Colorado, if you haven't got a chance to check him out, he is the younger brother of Jalen Williams, uh, the good Jalen Williams on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, Cody Williams, six eight freshman, doing some really nice things, really well-rounded game at the University of Colorado. But your first future Friday of this year that came out last Friday over on the Holy Backboard podcast stage was on Alexander Saar, the uh, younger brother mm-hmm. of former Blazer Olivier Saar. Uh, and he is significantly better than his older brother. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> uh, now, I didn't realize this until last night, but he was a G League Ignite guy. Not G League Ignite. Or OTE. no, sorry, uh, the other one, Overtime Elite. Yeah, OTE. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Overtime Elite. I didn't realize I didn't realize that he had already played over here because he's uh he's from France, but mm-hmm. then he had spent. Yeah, he play, he's he played on. There were there's two there were two good OTE teams. Yeah. He was on one. Um, who's the small Kentucky guard? Not Reed Shepard, the other one. Uh, Dillingham. Dillingham. He and Dillingham were on a team together. Dillingham played there too. The Star Thompson twin. What's up? Dillingham was in overtime elite. Yep. Yes, he was. Weird. Okay. Is that not a? <laughs> is that not a professional league? Why is there Dillingham? Like, why can Dillingham there go from like, there to college? There were there. There's like teenagers in that league like freshmen in that league okay i yeah, guess i thought it was it's not a good league to watch it's not well i knew that watch. but i thought it was still considered professional are they are they not getting paid i'm sure they might be but how is dillingham like, playing at kentucky right now i don't know okay i've got a lot of questions i didn't i didn't know that i didn't know star played there either i know he's playing it with the perth wildcat well he's is he still out i know he's, he's been hurt yeah he's still out he, he, he hurt his hip is he? When does he do back? Do we know? A few weeks, but it was a, it was a, it was bad. It was a non-contact hip injury. So how long does their season go? Uh, by the way, they have Bryce. You remember Bryce Cotton? He's no. their star player. Bryce Cotton. Where did he play? I, oh, I, I was thinking Providence, but I don't remember anymore. But I mean, he, he's just a, he's just like a star role player on that team because they're trying to win a championship. So it's not about development. It's about him just playing a role. And when he's in, you see such a defensive versatility in his game where he can guard like a 6-3 guard or he can guard a center. So his his best and best selling point is the fact that he is an incredibly versatile defender. Yeah, but he's got an offensive game too cuz I was watching his highlights yeah, I think his, I think last he, night. He shoot and pass. Yeah, inside outside. Yeah, he's got a pretty well-rounded game. I was impressed watching him. I was also impressed watching the highlights in that league, uh at least with his team if they make a big like a big shot or a big dunk, the steam comes out of the back of the mm-hmm. stanchion. That's a nice touch. That's something we need to be doing over here. Uh, I, I really like what they're doing over there in the ABL uh, with that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I was watching him last night, and, yeah, it makes sense why right now he's he's considered uh, the consensus as it stands now, you know, almost six months out from the draft. A you lot know who can my happen. number one is? Who's your number one? 
Jacoby Walter. Really? I love him okay. Yeah, I love watching him in Baylor. I like him play too. I, I don't when I watch him, I don't think number one pick, but he's certainly having a this draft though. Yeah, it's a bet. Yeah, I, I yeah. mean, Sar to me jumps more off the page than a Jacoby Walter does, but Walter's clearly the best prospect in college, college. basketball right now, mm-hmm. which does not yeah. have a lot of top prospects. As you're looking uh, at Tankathon right now, the top ten uh, that they've got, there are there's five uh, college players out of the ten. When's the is last Donovan time we saw Canyon that? Yeah, uh, he is not. He's twelve. Okay. Uh, the right now the top ten on Tankathon is Sar one, uh, the uh, New Age Bob Cousy Nikola Topic at two, uh, Zachary Riesecher, uh another international guy at three, Walter at four, uh, G League Ignite guy Ron Holland at five, Reed Shepard Kentucky player at six, another G League Igniter Matas Buzelis at seven, and then Cody Williams at eight. Stefan Castle, freshman at UConn at 9, and then uh, big man Kyle Filipowski um, from Duke at 10, and then Dillingham 11, Klingon at 12. So, uh, But the in the top tier uh, of this of this draft, if you're looking at the top seven, at least according to Tankathon right now, only two college players in there, and it's Jacoby Walter at Baylor, shooting guard, and uh, guard Reed Shepard at Kentucky. And then you've got the two G League Ignite guys in Holland and Buzelis, and then three international guys at the top. Now, what do you know about um, uh, the Zachary researcher? Oh, hell yeah. He's awesome. Okay, tell um, us about so him. So he's D3 all the way. He's D3 all the way. He He's like most european uh wings where he can play off ball really really well i definitely do see playmaking upside in his game but he's gonna play a really really good hard defense really versatile defender plus just he shoots the cover off the ball legitimately a top five prospect i, I like jacoby more but zachary is a absolute stud wing prospect and you know the blazers need a guy that can play the three four swing you know play really good defense shoot and is physical so i like zachary a lot there's two french guys that are top 10 for sure him and sar oh well then three sorry okay uh there's a uh is topic french as well no he's serbian there's a oh is it the let me look Saloon, Salon? Yeah, Saloon. Okay. Saloon's He's the uh, lottery ticket this this draft. Okay. So he's the he's the one that he's the Giannis of this draft. The, the... 6'10 moves really 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 well. Okay. And he's he plays in France right now. Mhm. Okay. Interesting. Uh and now I want to hear about the G League guys. Have you gotten a chance to really dive into them yet? I know you haven't done yeah. a show on them, but Ron Holland who was a top uh prospect and then Matas Buzelis, who uh, is of Lithuanian descent, but he's actually he grew up in the United States. Both of his player, both of his parents, uh, professional uh, players internationally uh, from Lithuania, but he grew up uh, in the Chicago area, so he is a, a, an American player, um, and he's a he's a really interesting prospect, a six eleven kind of small forward. And then you've got Holland, that more is the small forward, power forward at six foot eight. Talk about what you've seen out of those two guys from G League Ignite because they're both getting a lot of attention as well. So Ron Hollins to me is a guy that's mid at everything outside of playing in transition. Like if we put him in last year's draft, he's behind Hame Hawkes. 
who's playing pretty well, but I get He's your point. He's playing great, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, yeah. I didn't think Jaime was going to be good enough or more athletic enough to do what he's doing. Yeah. So, yeah, Ron's like a 50 percentile catch-and-shoot guy. He's a 50 percentile shooter, score. The only way that he looks great is that G League Ignite plays at an extremely fast pace, so it's continuous possessions for him, yeah. and he's a menace in transition. Okay. He's mid at everything else. Okay, so he he's he's not bad at anything, but he's not great at he's anything like a, either. Average at everything. Okay, yeah. except he's really fast. So how do you think he'll pan out in the NBA? I mean, you think he's he he can be a uh, legitimate starter, or is or is he a guy? Yeah, I think he could be a starter, but you're not asking him to do anything. He's yeah. gonna finish in transition. He's gonna cut and he's gonna score that way. Who's your comp? You and a, there's you a rumors that a... he doesn't have the best attitude in the world. Okay, that's not great. Who's who would be your comp on a a guy that people know? Airplane mode, um, DJJ. Who was it? Oh, Derek uh, Jones. Derek Jones Jr. Okay. Yeah, Derek Jones Jr. Yeah, I mean that yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and he's not bad. I mean he can play. He's starting for the Mavericks right now. So yeah, I, I But top five pick. Well, yeah, that's where you but the, again draft, that's but yeah, the, well, for this draft, exactly. It, it's funny because before we get to Buzelis, the guy that was supposed to be the guy um in in college, uh, Isaiah Collier is right now kind of uh, USC is having hurt. a disastrous year. He's hurt, but even when he played, he wasn't he, he looked pretty good, but he didn't jump off the page. He's playing with Bronny at uh, – you want to see? Do I want to talk to you. No. No, oh, you don't? I don't I think he could Bronny. be like a combo guard that plays really good defense. Like, yeah, Well, I mean, okay, okay. I guess it – do I believe he can be an NBA player? Yes. Do I believe he can be okay. a really good NBA player? No. Do I think he will I, get – I'm fine with that one. Yeah. Do I think he will get drafted so that you get LeBron James? Yes. Are you then going to be stuck with Bronny? In, I would take him late first, really second. But the consensus is LeBron's going to go wherever he's drafted, correct? Maybe. That's what he said for. That's what he says. Twenty but, years. I mean, right? I mean, he can make it happen if he wanted to. Yeah. If not this year, the next year, he's going to end up. He's going to end up where Bronny is, even if it's not next mm. year. He will play. I. I. I wholeheartedly believe he will play at least one season with his son. So if you draft Bronny James, there's a extremely good chance that you are going to get at least one year in the d- near future of LeBron James. Of 41-year-old LeBron. Still looks pretty damn good. I'm just going to yeah. say he, uh, he torched the Blazers the other night, so he still looks pretty that's, damn good. That's not hard to do. Though. Well, but, I mean, he's they're not the only team he's torched. But so there is some upside in, in taking Bronny James, and it's not necessarily what you're getting out of Bronny. But let's talk about Buzelis. Um Okay. Does he intrigue you a lot more than, than a Ron Holland? Or no? So he's he's comped out to be Danilo Gallinari. But I don't believe in the passing, really. I think he can pass, but I don't think he has, like, the vision – to like calculate what read is the right one. He just passes well. So if you think of him as a top five, he's going to disappoint. But if you think of him as like a late lottery pick, I think the expectations are going to be a lot lower and he can be a successful player. He's He really is dealing with a lack of strength. He's getting bullied a lot, relentlessly in the G League. So 
you know, watching him yeah. just like have happy feet and getting turnovers because he gets excited or is he get, he's getting bullied. You know, it, it's hard to really comp out a guy that's playing in a all-star game every game and losing by like the Blazers, uh, you know, right. win loss. But now he's regarded as a, as a good shooter, but the numbers wouldn't necessarily reflect that. So he's shooting less he, than 30% from three. In the past, he was a good shooter. Now he's not. So if you do, you, if you believe what he did in the past, as he's a good shooter, take him in the top ten. If you th- see what he's doing now yeah. and are worried about it, there's other th- there's role players in this draft that like McCullers is gonna make a team really happy. Okay, there's a good one. Um, yeah, there's a there's a I think this is a draft where a guy like a Ryan Dunn, not he's not the shooter, but you know, one of those Swiss Army knife guys, a Dunn or a McCuller. This would be a really yeah, good year. You've been year. watching Ryan Dunn? Oh, yeah, a little bit. More more McCuller, yeah, but I, I've seen I a little bit of Dunn. Yep, yep. I I still haven't watched your Florida guy really, but I've watched uh he's watched Ryan don't, Dunn. Don't. Yeah, he's he hasn't been very good. Kugel over no, in Florida. Not. But yeah, Dunn is a intriguing player. Certainly Kevin McCuller who's been in college forever. Um, so he's going to come into the league at what, 24 years old, but he's, he's going to fit a role. He's a plug and play guy. He can jump in right away. He's a Swiss army knife type of guy. So yeah, there's some, there's a lot of talent. If you look at at guys later on the draft, intriguing prospect to uh, keep an eye on Dalton connect lights out shooter. at Tennessee. I'm going to do a podcast about it. Okay. Yes. I agree with you. Yeah. That's going to be, this is, this is a, this is a year where you can, feel strong now you can look at it one of two ways you can take a a swing for the fences with the high upside guy or you can focus on a a good specialty guy like a dalton connect i think that would be a good uh route to take in this um in this in this draft either one of those directions if you're going to swing for the fences or if you want to lay down a bunt play it safe Uh, especially i could see a good team going after a connect that would be certainly as a guy who can a lockdown shooter real quick before we go um an update on your thoughts on the kentucky guys that were two of the top prospects who have had their struggles dj wagner and justin edwards i think they're next year guys I think that you're looking at Dillingham and Reed Shepard as your Kentucky guys that are going to be lotto guys. Like Reed Shepard, when you watch him, you see a 15-year-old, 15-year pro. Yeah. And Dillingham, because of his playmaking and scoring ability, I know he's small, but he's he has he fits a role and didn't succeed in that. Now, you think those guys go back to school or they're just going to be later picks? I think Edwards should go. I think both of them should go back to school, honestly. You think they will? No. Okay, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just thinking of them. You know, their future. I think right. next having another year in college, less pressure would be good for them. But I don't think they will. But, but Edwards has been so dis- disappointing. Wagner, like, it's the two small guards at Kentucky that are the ones that you watch. Yeah, but also again in this year's draft, wouldn't be you know if you're looking later in that first round, wouldn't be a bad idea to take a shot at them, right? Yeah, take a swing. Sure. Yeah. But even if they're sitting around there at the, you know, a Blazers early second round pick, absolutely you. Yeah, they're both blue chip talents for sure. I just think, you know, with, with, they haven't impressed me at all, really. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, not a great start to their uh, collegiate careers. All right, Sage, thanks so much for coming on today, filling in on short notice, getting your thoughts on the Blazers. Uh, agreeing for the most part with my midseason awards and then your thoughts on the draft as always. Uh, thanks for coming on. And when can folks check out the next Holy Backboard podcast? 
So we just released one about the actual uh, Trailblazers. Uh, Future Friday will have uh, Nikola Topic, the modern day Bill, Bob Cousy, and then you'll see a, a, a whole podcast uh, relatively soon as well. So right. thank you so much for having me. Peace out. All right. As always, Dylan Sage. I'm Ron Buchanan. Thanks to Stephen Glickman as well. This has been Blazers Edge Radio. We'll be back at it better than ever next week, but stick around. There's a lot more coming up on X-Ray FM as Flying Saucer Safaris is next.